get a few truths and be able to learn something from your scriptures tonight. I love you so much. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're looking there at a very very well-known story, story of Cain and Abel. And uh, I'm sure we all heard it, know it very well. So let's just look at a few things here. And uh, maybe just a few things we haven't noticed before from the story. Uh, I want you to look at verse number 1 and 2. It says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So you need to understand this, that Cain, the Bible says, was a, keep, a tiller of the ground. So he was like a farmer. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was more like a herdsman. He had sheep. And... Um, if you look at verse number... What I want you to see? Verse number... Well, look at two again. Look at two. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Uh, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So number one, I want you to look at the... What they offered God, um, the Bible says there, an offering unto the Lord. What they offered God, an offering unto the Lord. That word offering means the act of one who offers or something offered. Uh, the word offering means to, to bring something, to offer God something. And what they offered God uh, were two separate things. What the offerings were were this. Cain brought... Fruit that he had grown from the ground. Remember we saw he was a tiller of the ground? So he brought fruit that he grew from the ground. Cain's work was to be a tiller of the ground. Cain had probably worked very hard for the offering he brought to God. And he brought, the Bible says he brought this, and I'm sure he maybe picked out the best fruits and the, and the best vegetables or whatever he was bringing. And he brought this offering to God. But look at verse 4, Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 4. The Bible says, And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock. And of that thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So Cain brought fruit. Abel, who was a keeper of sheep, Abel did not bring fruit, he brought cattle, he brought sheep. And Abel did not necessarily work uh, for his offering uh, in the way that, that. Cain worked for his offering as far as growing it, but it was a sacrifice and he brought it He brought it to God. So we need to understand those two different things. Now what these offerings were, what they offered God, um, what they represented is this, salvation. The offerings represented salvation. God required a blood sacrifice uh, to represent Jesus Christ. Do you remember in Genesis chapter number 3? In verse 21, Genesis chapter number 3, verse 21, where it says, Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. Do you remember uh, when Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden? And when God was, was uh, dealing with their sin and dealing with how they were, they, they, the different uh, causes, that there's, the different things that their sin was going to bring. And he was dealing with the serpent, dealing with the woman, dealing with the man. And at the end of that, the Bible says that God killed an animal for the first time. Blood was shed. And He took the skins of that animal and He clothed Adam and Eve in it. 
That was a picture of a blood sacrifice and God was showing them that one day Jesus Christ was going to die like this animal was dying. And one day Jesus Christ would clothe them like this animal was clothing them. So God uh, required a blood sacrifice to represent Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we see that there in Genesis chapter number, number 3 and verse 21. Abel's offering was a picture of accepting that sacrifice. Abel's offering was accepting Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our salvation. When he brought a lamb to God, he was showing to God, I have faith that one day a lamb will come. A, a man will come who will die on the cross. And, and maybe he didn't necessarily know all the details that he would die on the cross. And all that, but he knew that someone would be sacrificed and their blood would be shed. And that person is going to bring us our salvation. And when he brought that lamb, he was showing Jesus, he was showing God that he believed that one day salvation would come. Uh, let, let me tell you something. At Very Baptist Church, we are not dispensationalists. And you, you may not know what that means, but you should really learn what that means because there, there's a, a, a sort of a battle in between fundamental Baptists. Um, whether some people say they're, they're dispensational, and some people say they're semi-dispensational, some people they're, say they're not dispensational. Let me tell you something. We at Very Baptist Church take a stand that might be different than other Baptist churches, but our stand is this. We are non-dispensationals. We do not believe in dispensations at all. Uh, and in and, and no way or fashion, not even a little bit. And let me explain to you what the dispensations are. Dispensations is this, where people believe that God, uh, that there are different times or different dispensations in history where God dealt with man um, different than, than He does now. And now a super, like, super duper dispensationalist will, will go as far as saying, like in the Old Testament you were saved by works, but in the New Testament you're saved by faith. And that's a lie. I mean, the Bible says that, that, that Noah found uh, grace in the, in the eyes of the Lord. And, and the Bible says, I mean, if you study Hebrews 11, it goes through all those Old Testament. And actually, we're going to go there. Go, go to Hebrews 11, just real quick, uh, in the New Testament. And I'll, I'll read to you a verse there. Hebrews 11. And I'll, I'll show you this. But in the Old Testament, the New Testament, everybody, God dealt with everybody the same. God deals with everybody through faith. And I'll read for you Hebrews 11 and uh, verse 4. Hebrews 11 and verse 4. The Bible says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and by it he being dead, yes, speaketh. So the Bible says in Hebrews 11 for that, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So his sacrifice that he offered to God was a faith. Abel was saved by faith. Now, they were looking to Jesus. They were saying, hey, we believe that one day this sacrifice will come. And we look back to Jesus and we say, we believe that He has already came, the Messiah has already came, and we put our faith in Him. But everyone in the Bible always got saved by faith. God didn't deal with people separately. So I want to show you that. Abel was saved by faith. Hebrews 11.4 By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Let me read for you another uh, passage to prove to you that Abel was saved. Matthew 23.35 says this. Matthew 23.35 says that upon you may come all the righteous uh, blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel. The Bible called Abel righteous. Unto the blood of Zacharias 
the son of Berechias, whom he slew between the temple and the altar. So the Bible there in Hebrews 11, 4, it called Abel righteous. In Matthew 23-35, it called uh, Abel righteous. And that word righteous is a, a term that is only given to saved people. So, Abel was, was saved. Abel's offering equals accepting Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross for salvation. Cain's offering equals this. Cain's offering represents someone trying to work their way to heaven. When Cain brought of the work of his hands, he worked all day long and he tilled the ground and he grew those plants or he grew that fruit and he took of that fruit and he presented that to God. See, Abel was offering to God a sacrifice. Abel was offering to God a lamb that would die instead of his sin. But Cain was bringing all his good works. Everything that he worked on and the best of his work. Let me read you a verse showing you that Cain was an unsaved man. 1 John chapter number 3 and verse 11 says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. So the Bible says that Cain was of that wicked one, referring to Satan, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? So he's saying, uh, why, wherefore slew he him? He asks the question, why did Cain kill his brother? And he says, because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. So again, we see another, uh, another uh, place in the Bible where it says Abel was righteous. And it contrasts Abel's righteousness with Cain's evilness or wickedness. So we see that Cain is an unsafe person. But I want you to look at this. Anyone can be accepted as long as they offer the right offering, which is Jesus Christ. Look at, uh, I'll, I'll read for you this verse. Romans 2.11 says this, For there is no respect of persons with God. For there is no respect of persons with God. If you go to Genesis 4.4, 4, you go back to Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 4. Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 4. I want you to see the wording there. It says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So Cain was very wroth because God had no respect for his offering. But let me, let me read for you again. Romans 2.11 says this, For there is no respect of persons with God. What that means is that God has no respect for any person. God, when it's talking about respect, there is that, that God does not look at one man different than another man. God does not uh, think better of one person uh, than another. God does not like one man more than He likes another man. God looked at Cain, and He looked at Abel, and He saw them as equals, they had the same opportunities. They had the same uh, uh, ability with God to be right with God. The Bible doesn't say that God had more respect for Abel than He did for Cain. The Bible says that God had more respect for Abel's offering and that God had no respect for Cain's offering. God had re- He had no respect for either one. God has no respect to persons. But He had respect... He accepted Abel's offering. He did not accept Cain's offering. But Cain could have brought the right sacrifice to God and been accepted just like Abel. And I find a lot of... uh, I find just a big benefit in that or I find a lot of... I can't think of what the word is, but uh, um, enjoyment in that or... uh, That's not the right word, but I, I just feel good 
knowing that God is not a respected person because especially, you know, as we start this church and, and uh, we're just in our fifth week here and, uh, and you know, sometimes we have great services, sometimes we have not that great of services and I just think to myself, it's great. I, I love the fact that I can go to God and I can understand that God is not a respecter of persons. God does not have any more respect for any one man than any other man. I look at some of these churches, um, and, and, and I'm not talking about the liberal charismatic churches, but I'm talking about fundamental Baptist churches who, for, for whatever it's worth, they are preaching the King James Bible, and maybe they are trying to see people saved, and they are going so many. And some of these churches are packed out. I mean, they have 500 people, 400 people, uh, you know, thousands of people. And, and I think to myself, you know, I, I think of people like, like uh, Brother Hiles. Jack Howes, or I think of people, uh, just like in the Bible, Paul or Peter, and I, and I and there's there's a comfort in knowing that God had no more respect for Paul than He can for me. God can use me as much as He can use Paul, and God loves me as much as He loved Paul, and God loves you as much as He loves Paul. And we have the same ability to get close to God. As Paul did, or as Jack Howes did, or as any preacher, or as any person that you would look at and say, Man, God, God just seems to have a great relationship with that person. God seems to love that person. God seems to just be blessing that person. And the, the truth is that God can do the same thing for us. And it wasn't that God liked Abel more than He liked Cain. He had more respect for the offering. Genesis 4.6 says this, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So the Bible says, If thou doest well, Cain, shalt thou not be accepted? So God says, I would accept you, if you did well. But he had to bring the right sacrifice. See, no one will ever be able to come, and we preached on this this morning, so I'm not going to get into it tonight. But no one will ever be able to come to God and show their works, and God will, not, God will just accept it. God will not accept anyone's good works. God will only accept a sacrificial blood sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. But let's get off of the... Uh, that, that was the point of their offering, what they offered to God. I want you to look at this. Uh, let's look at the testimony of the blood. The testimony of the blood. This is pretty interesting. Um, Genesis 4.8 says this, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. By the way, this is the first time a human being has killed a human being um, on, on earth at this moment, when Cain slew Abel. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. But I want you to see that point. God said, The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, I don't really understand how that works, but God was saying that He could literally hear the voice of Abel's blood crying unto Him. I can imagine that as God, as, as Abel, as Cain murdered Abel and killed Abel and Abel's blood was spilled on the ground, that God, for whatever reason or however it works, He can hear the voice of the blood and the blood is calling out to God and the blood is calling out to God and saying, uh, avenge me. Or He's saying about Abel that he's guilty, that he's guilty, that he's guilty. And I want you to see something very interesting. Hebrews 12.24 says this. 
Hebrews 12.24 says this, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, referring to Jesus Christ's blood when it was sacrificed on the, on, the, on the cross there, to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The Bible says that Jesus Christ's blood speaketh better things than that of Abel because Abel's blood was crying out to God and was accusing Cain and was uh, pointing his finger at Cain's sin and saying, He is guilty and He is guilty. Avenge me! Avenge me! But Jesus Christ, when He died on the cross, the Bible says that His blood uh, cries out to God and it speaks better things than His blood says that it says justified and redeemed and forgiven and we can find some great comfort in that. Because you know, we get accused and sometimes rightfully so. You know, and, and, and people, sometimes people accuse us, or people talk bad about us, or people lie about us, or people mix in lies with truth, and spread that out. And you know, uh, I, I heard somebody say this, and I thought it was a, a really good analogy. When, when somebody accuses you in public, or when somebody uh, talks uh, behind your back to other people, or somebody uh, says things about you to other people. It's as if you were to to take a pillow and like go up to like a skyscraper and, and open it up. You know the, the pillows with the feathers in it, and let all the feathers uh, fly out. And, and as the wind takes all those different feathers all over the city, it'd be like uh, if you talk bad about somebody to one person or in public or you let people know about that or you gossip about people. It's like you you're just letting all these feathers fly out into. And the thing is. You can't ever take that back. You can't ever go back and, and find all those feathers. And you don't know exactly where that goes or exactly who that affects. And you know, uh, I'm sure every single human being has gone through uh, a point in time when someone has talked about them. Or someone has said something to them. Or someone has accused them. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of people that have accused me. You know, And, and sometimes I wonder. As we're starting this church, you know, and, and, and people come in, and we're having, I mean, it's going great for us. We're in our fifth week, and we had 19 people here this morning, and we're not, we don't have anything to complain about, but, um, you know, our fifth week and 19 people, that's, that's great. I'm super excited about that. But sometimes I, I think, and there's people who, uh, who we invite, or maybe someone else who we know invited, and they don't come. And sometimes I wonder, you know, and it's fine, if they don't come, that's not a problem. But sometimes I, I wonder, I wonder if that person doesn't come because sometimes I think, man, I know that that person had some sort of small contact or some sort of small relationship with this other person who I know maybe lied about me or or mixed in a lot of truth with a lot of lies about me or whatever. And I and sometimes I wonder, you know, just in my heart in my head, I, I think, man, I wonder if that person isn't coming to this church because they they think all these things about me that maybe aren't necessarily true or maybe aren't necessarily true anymore, you know. But but someone accused me. You know, and and, that, and and you know, you can you can really allow that to burden you. You can really allow that to just beat you up inside when you get accused by somebody. But I just find great comfort in this: that as Abel's blood accused Cain and said, "Cain is guilty. Cain killed me. Cain needs to die. Cain, well, he needs to need to die because the death penalty hasn't been established yet. We'll talk about that." Next week, probably. But um, uh, Cain needs to be punished. Cain needs, uh, I need to be avenged. As Abel's sinful blood accuses us, and our sinful blood accuses us because of our sin, Jesus Christ's blood speaks better things. And Jesus Christ's blood 
over trumps and speaks louder than that blood of sinful man. And he says, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, human blood may be guilty and human blood may be sinful and human blood may, may need to be avenged. But Jesus Christ's blood says, no, they've been redeemed, they've been forgiven, they've been justified. And I just thank God that though we may get accused by Satan and we may get accused by people and we may get uh, blamed for things or, or accused for things, that, the, that at the end of the day, at, at the last trump, the blood of Jesus Christ will speak better things than that of Abel's. And that's the testimony of the blood. And if Satan might accuse you or might try to make you feel bad, or might try to make you feel guilty for things you, you've done, and look, you should feel guilty for things, we all should feel guilty for things we've done, but at the end of the day, if you're saved, Jesus Christ's blood cries out, better things than that of Abel's, and I, I love that, the testimony of the blood. Let me show you uh, one more point, one more point and we're done, I just want you to see this real quick. A relationship with sin, a relationship with sin, Look at Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 16. Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 16. The Bible says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now this is, this is I hope I didn't confuse you, this is, Genesis 3.16 is when, Eve, when God was speaking to Eve and letting her know what the consequences of her sin was, I want you to see that phrase though. It says, Thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And the reason I want you to notice that is because in Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 6, when God is speaking to Cain, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And look what it says. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now, I don't know if you caught it. God said to Cain, And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. God said to Eve, Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over over thee. God uses that same terminology of a marriage and He's saying to Cain, look, you have an opportunity right now to make a decision, a junction in your life where you can either choose to do right and be accepted by God or you can choose to do wrong. And, and He's saying it's, it's like you're going to get into this relationship with sin. It's almost like you're going to marry sin because He uses that same t- terminology. He, he makes sin the wife, he makes Cain the husband, and he says, unto thee shall be his desire, referring to sin, the sin that lies at the door. And thou shalt rule over him, he's saying, you're, you're choosing to get into a relationship with sin. And, and Cain chose sin. Cain refused God, and he chose sin. And I want you to see, it's very interesting how people who choose sin act. How people who make a conscious decision. Because here's the thing, sometimes we make mistakes, and, they're, and they shouldn't be called mistakes, they, they are sin still. We sin, but sometimes we just sin, and, and it's hard to explain it because every sin is a decision. 
But there are times when we make a conscious decision. When someone has warned us, like God warned Cain, and we choose, and God says, hey look, if you, if you, if you do well, you'll be accepted. But sin lies at the door. And if you choose sin, you're going to choose a relationship with sin. And Cain chose that relationship. And I think it's funny because the Bible says that all Cain had to do was grab a lamb, shed its blood, Offer it to God and He would be accepted. But Cain chose to not... Cain refused to shed the blood of a lamb to be accepted with God. But he was more than willing and more than able to go shed his brother's blood. And sometimes you watch people make decisions while they're in the sin. And I think I think to myself, it seems... So easy, but they make it so complicated. I mean, all he had to do was grab a lamb, shed its blood, offer it to God. And he said, no, I'm not going to choose God, but I am, I'm still going to shed blood. But it won't be the lamb's blood, it'll be my brother's blood. And it just seems so dumb. It's like you're going to kill your brother when you could just kill a lamb and be accepted and have a good relationship with your brother and have a good relationship with God and be accepted with God, but instead you're going to kill your brother instead of the lamb and just be rejected of God. But when you choose sin, that's how you that's how you do things. I remember uh, used to have a we used to have a, a youth pastor when I was young, you know, Brother Sears, and I remember he used to say this about people, uh, and he, he used to say, you know, I watch people and I think to myself, man, I couldn't mess up my life that bad if I was trying to. And that's what I think about Cain. Cain, I can. It seems like you can't you couldn't mess up your life that bad if you were trying to. All you had to do was offer. A lamb. God gave you another chance. But you decided to get mad and go kill your brother instead. You're going to shed blood, but it's not going to be the right blood. But I want you to see this. And maybe that's something you never thought about before. That Cain chose to shed blood, but not the right blood. But I want you to see here, and we're pretty much close to being done. Genesis 4.11 says this. Genesis 4.11 says this. This is what God said to Cain. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. I want you to see this. The Bible says, God told Cain, When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. Now what was it that, that, Ab- that Cain brought God that God did not accept? He brought of the fruit of the ground. The Bible says that he was a tiller of the ground. And God came to Cain and said, Cain, I'm not going to accept of the fruit of the ground. I want a blood sacrifice. And Cain refused to bring a blood sacrifice. He kept that fruit that was yielded from the ground, that he tilled the ground, and God made sure, he said, that thing you chose above God, because he chose the farm, he chose the fruit, he chose tilling the ground better than doing what God wanted, so God said, that's fine, you want to choose sin, but then he said, that thing that you chose over me, I'm going to make sure you never get that again. Have you ever noticed that in the story? He brought fruit to God. God rejected the fruit. And He said, well, I'm going to choose the fruit anyway. And I'm not going to choose the sacrifice. And then God says, that's fine. Go ahead and have your relationship with sin. Go ahead and choose the sin that lies at the door. But He said, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto
her strength. God says, you choose the farm over me, and I'll make sure you don't get me nor the farm. Let me tell you something. You go ahead and, and, and whatever you decide to choose over God, whatever you decide is more important, uh, more, more desirable than that relationship with God, whatever it might be, you might just end up missing out on God and that. Because Cain thought it was more important to bring God fruits and God vegetables than it was to bring God what God wanted. And God said, okay, you're not getting either. You're not getting a relationship with me and you're not getting the fruit. And God is that type of God. And sometimes we make decisions and we say, well, I'm going to choose this over this. And God says, all right, then you'll miss out on both. But we get a choice every day. Send life at the door every day. Genesis 4.17 says this, And Cain knew his wife. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong, the wrong verse. I, I, wanted to sh- I want to show you Genesis chapter number 4. And let's see. I wrote down the wrong verse. Verse 25, Genesis chapter number 4 and verse 25, the Bible says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare his son, and called his name Seth. So Cain killed Abel, Eve got pregnant again, she bare his son, and called his name Seth. And this is what she said, For God said she, for God, for God said she, have appointed me another seed instead of Abel, who came, who came slew. I want to show you this, that when Cain chose sin, it, it hurt others. When Cain chose, when God gave him that choice and he said, sin lies at the door. It's like at that door, you can either open that door or you can close that door. But if you open you step through it, you're going to marry sin. You're going to go into this relationship with sin. And when he chose that, and when he chose to kill his brother, he hurt not only himself, but he hurt his mom and dad. And he hurt others. And sin has consequences, and it will hurt others. And it's sad because Cain didn't really care. If you look at Genesis 4.13, it says, And Cain said unto the Lord, God just got done punishing him. God just got done telling him, this is going to happen to you. And he just got done uh, 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 exposing his sin to him. And instead of just getting right, and instead of just saying, God, I'm sorry, and instead of just trying to get right with God, this is what Cain says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out of this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. So when God just gets done dealing with his sin, all Cain can think about is himself. He said, this punishment you gave me is too hard. And that's what sin does. When you have a relationship with sin, you just stop caring about anybody. He doesn't care that he just killed his brother. He doesn't care that he just hurt his mom and dad. He doesn't care that he uh, has ruined his relationship with God. He just says, the punishment you gave me is too hard. But here's the greatest thing. Genesis 4.15 says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord said, He mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. And even while Cain was in sin, God's goodness and God's mercy was there. 
And God, and even while Cain refused to get right, God still said, Whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And you know, I'm just amazed that I, I talk to people and, as, and they, they curse God with their mouth. You know, at work I talk to people and they say God doesn't exist. And they'll say something really blasphemous uh, about God. And I'll think to myself, man, with that mouth that you just curse God, the only reason you were even allowed to say those words is because God allowed you to. The only reason you, you, as you, as you breathed out those words, that breath was given to you by God. And Cain, as he went on his way, and as he went on his way of sin, and as he married that sin, and he lied with that sin, and he had that relationship, as he went, God's mercy was still given to him. God's uh, presence was still with him, and God still protected him, and God still allowed him to live as he chose sin. And I know this is a very well-known story. But we can learn something from Cain. We all get a choice. Sin life as a door for all of us. At any point, any of us can open that door and choose to step through it. But why don't we tonight just decide, you know what? God is no respecter of persons. God can help me as much as anybody else. God can love me as much as anybody else. God can use me as much as He can use anybody else. God can build this church as much as He can build any other church. But God is not a respecter of persons, but He does care what you offer Him. And see, we, we look at these other men, you know, I, I, have a lot of re, I have a lot of respect and honor for this, for a preacher of, of old, uh, Dr. Jack Howes. He wasn't perfect by any means, and we understand that, and, and he was wrong on things, and we understand all that. But he was a great man of God, and he was a soul winner, and he built a great church, and, he, and God used him in a mighty way. And you know, I, I, just, I just think about that, and I say, you know, God can use me, personally, I'm talking about me as a pastor of Verity Baptist Church, He can use me as much as He used Brother Howes. Because God is no respecter of persons. But maybe the reason why we don't have any more Brother Howells, or maybe the reason we don't have any more Apostle Pauls, or maybe the reason we don't have any more John the Baptist, is because they're offering God something different than what we're offering. Maybe they just offered God the right thing. And I'm not talking about salvation anymore. I'm just talking about uh, you know applying this to our lives. Maybe they offered God a vessel wholly given to God, and God doesn't use us because we maybe keep back a few things. You say, I want God's blessing, and I, got, I want God's power, and I want God to use us. Then what? It, God doesn't respect you as a person, but God does respect your offering. God respects what you offer Him. And maybe we need to just offer Him the right thing, and we will be accepted like many Christians have been accepted. And I'm not, I'm not talking about salvation right now. I'm just talking about as far as having victory in our, in our Christian life. God is not a respecter of persons, but He does respect certain offerings over others. And uh, that's something we can learn from this passage. And that's, that's a, some great truths there that we can learn from the story of Cain and Abel. So let's just have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for allowing us to be able to have church.